1: Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. This is a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. And one of the things that I really want to do is just every day get something new to you, whether it be one idea or one stock or one theme. It's really important to always be learning. I think it's important to stay in some sort of physical shape. I think it's important to stay in some sort of physical and mental shape as well. Slow and steady return of travel. That's a big story for 2022. And that's a big way for you to learn all about an industry. The travel and leisure industry. It's been nearly two years of COVID. Pandemic put the travel industry in a headlock. People around the world have been stuck at home, it feels like. With their... Anything weird that they want to do being replaced with doing that same weird kind of idea at home. Like Pelotons are, are now our exercise fitness instead of going on safaris. Like, oh, but you can watch a safari while you're doing a Peloton. We've gotten a little off. Just how bad is it? Before the pandemic led to worldwide lockdowns in 2020, the global tourism industry had grown basically uninterrupted for decades. The only minor blips were the SARS epidemic in 2003, um, the global recession of 2009, which didn't really stick. So we've never seen this. And what's what's interesting about this is international tourists in the last two years have fallen from about hmm. I would say about 65, 70%, the number of international tourists in the world grew from 277 million in 1980 to 1.5 billion in 2019. At the end of 2021, international arrivals were 72% below pre-pandemic levels. Two industries got clobbered, obviously airlines and hotels. I think of the competition airlines is there any can't really get on a bus to fly you can staycation or you can drive instead of flying but it's kind of a small industry the airlines and then they get the hotels where there's little disruption going on but the business travel has hit the hotel industry the hardest air passenger volume fell over 90 percent in march 2020 Nine years worth of profits were wiped off the map for airlines. A lot of airlines have only kept the lights on the cabins by furloughing thousands of staff. The airline industry is on track to lose 201 billion since the start of the pandemic. The hotel industry is on pace to lose 59 billion in revenue. That's 260 billion between the two. That's a lot of money to leave behind. You know, what's really sick here is like you've started seeing numbers of trillions and because of Apple and Google and Microsoft, you're like, yes, 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 yes. $260 billion is a lot of money to leave behind, but I get it. Trust me. These are important industries. It doesn't feel as important as electronics, though, do they? Well, it depends. It depends on if you want to be diversified. One big thing that sets 2022 apart from the previous two years was governments are beginning to seriously relax travel and public health restrictions. Sweden, Norway, Ireland, Dominican Republic, Iceland, the United Kingdom, Denmark, all have announced that they're ending COVID restrictions on flights. Now, the young are going to release the rich and pent-up frustrations that they have. They don't like to call them young and restless for nothing. 45% of Americans between 18 and 34 years old expects to take a leisure holiday in 2022. 53% of Americans who make over 100000 plan to head somewhere as well. That's a big chunk of people for industries for two industries that have seen declines to the tune of 60 to 90%. Remote work is going to turn workers into travelers. That's the thought. With firms from Amazon to Shopify to UBS allowing their staff to work remotely for good, an increasing number of people are taking holidays while working. Last February, 11% of remote workers told research that they had taken a trip of more than 10 days, By October, that had risen to 23%. One thing that we've seen during the pandemic, and this will probably continue to play out, is private rentals have picked up right alongside hotels. If I want to rent out my mountain home, I would look at the price of a luxury hotel near me, and I would charge the same per night, maybe $100 more, $100 less, but you get a whole house. So you kind of get it. The global airline industry is expected to result in only $12 billion losses. So the teeter-totter is now starting to go the correct way. What happens on teeter-totters? They get momentum up and they get momentum going down. Behind labor, jet fuel is the airline industry's second largest expense. Oil at this point in time being a negative for 2022 will very likely become a positive on comparison to make it easier for the airlines to work right now. It's difficult. And you see where their stocks are, you see the pent up demand. You see the likely drop in oil prices sometime soon. Last time they were this high, it took about five months for them to fall from all time highs to near all time lows. It can happen pretty quickly. So I can't tell you everything in the airline industry like Asian routes and who's the best company to invest in. If you think Asia is growing faster than say Europe. If you don't like Asia or Europe uh, because you're worried that another pandemic might hit, then you say, well, maybe I'll go with Southwest airlines. They reported their first profit in two years in the fourth quarter of 2021, surprising many and indicating that the travel rebound and the margins might start working. So there's different ways. Again, I don't really get into the spirit airlines. You know, I don't really get into discount buses in my mind or might be bad investments. So in the airline industry, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be Southwest because their track record. In the leisure sector, if I had to pick one, who are the players? Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, Booking Holdings, which is booking.com. It's priceline.com, kayak.com, rentalcars.com. With so many remote workers and travelers starting, I think there's also a case for like an Airbnb. I own shares of Airbnb. I certainly own names like Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt in S&P 500 funds, but in travel and leisure, those are my plays, or those are the plays that I try. I follow is the right way of saying that. You Remember when you first got on the Priceline I don't know if you remember any of it, but Priceline was fun back in the late 90s, early 2000. It was founded by a guy named Jay Walker. He left the company in 2000. Um, what I found fast, do you remember like bidding a little bit? Are you with me you against me on this one? And William Shatner commercials. And you'd be like, what's the next William Shatner commercial going to look like? So you... you They have a digital patent or they try to get a digital patent for demand collection where they would get hotel rooms and then like divvy them out on supply and demand. And you could overbid for a hotel room or hotels could dump off room inventory. Great way it felt like to get a room in Vegas, but maybe not a great way to get a room in say Hawaii. Vegas have too many hotel rooms. Hawaii, sometimes they're few and far between but they were one of the first internet high flyers Priceline. I throw it down just because I want to get nostalgic with you. We're talking hotel and leisure. I'm Rob Black. Get to know your sectors as well as you can in finances. You get bankers and brokers and insurance companies try and FinTech. Now try to know your se- sectors like technology, semiconductors, hardware, software, uh, semiconductor equipment makers, There's a lot going on there. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Find us at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. Thank you for listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. This is just one tool that I use to help you create wealth. My website, robblackshow.com, is loaded with useful resources like planning for retirement and how to choose a financial advisor, financial strategy videos with certified financial advisors, and much, much more. You can contact me and I'll put you in touch with a certified financial planner. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. This is a show dedicated to getting new retirement to cut down on mistakes. I do it in good economies and bad economies. I do it in good stock markets and bad stock markets. I have to always remind you of some of the little things that I see in the financial world. Let me give you a quick example. I know a married couple that have helped um, her mother basically wait and die. You know, bad health, long period of time. She's taken off work. Her uh, the other son can't take off work. So the daughter takes off work. The daughter's husband takes care of the family, four, five, six, seven years, and then the mother dies, the grandmother, whatever you want to say in this case. And the daughter that's been taken care of her noticed in the will that said, hey, there's a life insurance policy. And when she dies, the brother gets half and the daughter gets half. So she did a lot of extra work, including paying her mother's mortgage. So the home wouldn't get foreclosed on for five, six, seven years. And there's a life insurance policy that's supposed to be split both ways between the son and the daughter, according to the will. But on the paperwork, the mother only put the son as the beneficiary. The son skates off to the sunset with all the money and half the house because there was nothing spelled out about who pays x amount of the mortgage who gets x percentage back and even though the will says my son and daughter will be my my sole heir on my life insurance policy the beneficiary says just him rock scissors paper stone beneficiary trumps the will so there's things that you don't know that are going to hit you in retirement hit you in death hit your family in death it's like oh i didn't see that one coming and it comes down to being unlucky because your mother probably had her best intention when she was trying to say there's a life insurance policy that's divvied up 50-50, but she probably got rushed through the paperwork and th- saw only one beneficiary on the you know, sign here kind of thing, maybe didn't turn the page, and she basically wrote her daughter unknowingly out of her will. How's that suck? That sucks pretty big, right? And you're like, but, 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 nope. I've seen this happen so many times. I've had to go back in my paperwork just because I have nightmares about it. I once knew a certified financial planner named Jody. And basically in her 20s, she was in a loving relationship. He had a life insurance policy that was, she was going to be the uh, designator, uh, benefactor from. They break up. And she's a financial planner keep that i think that's important for this part of the story they break up he ultimately gets like rekindled repassionate with someone else they make a baby the two they have a family he's moved on happily ever after he has something like a heart attack or oh actually i think he committed suicide now i remember the details um, first year of an insurance policy, you can't commit suicide, otherwise it won't be paid. But if you do it after one year, it could still be paid depending on clauses. Make sure you read it before you try to take that end of your life. Oh, boy, it's complicated doing the show, huh? Um, but in Jody's case, a boyfriend from 10 years ago dies. And a couple million dollars comes in the, the mail to her because he, she was the beneficiary on the will. Turns out the wife contacted her and said, Jody, I, I know you've got a career and you know I was a stay-at-home mom and I had two kids and we both loved the same guy. I'm sure he wanted to update his paperwork, but he forgot. Can I get some of that money for my family, which he left unexpectedly, but he was loving and sweet and tender and everything to us. And she's like, nope, please leave me alone. You can call that cruel. You can call it lucky. You can call it unlucky. I don't know. All I'm telling you is update your fricking fracking paperwork on a regular basis. Anytime I call an institution, a financial institution, I go, "Hey, do you have my new address? Do you have this? Do you have that?" Like I want to be in the in the right loop. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Each calls on the air. Okay, so real quick, I've got a minute or two. The idea of inflation is bad. It's not always completely true. Too hot is bad and too cold is bad. Too hot, you and I are paying 15% more for a donut, even though it's the same dough, the same laborer who gets up and throws the the dough in a vat of fat that's frying. Um, 15%, like, wow, the donut makers are making a lot of profit is the thought, right? But if you're paying 15% less for a donut, you're like, oh, how are they making these so cheap? Lots of good questions. Inflation's not always bad. You don't want it too hot. You don't want it too cold. You want just the right amount. So for instance, 2021 was a year where you heard of a lot of wage inflation, right? As people are coming back to work, they're demanding more money. Americans are staying at home because the federal government are paying them to stay at home. But as they come back, we're starting to see Target up their minimum wage, uh, not minimum wage, but their starting wage is up to $21 in some locations. It is so competitive to get a worker, and you know who I feel bad for is the McDonald's of the world. Because if there's a low education candidate and they look around of, oh, I'm going to work 40 hours a week. And they look at fast food and they go in and they interview and they're like, ooh, it stinks. It's greasy in here. Like, I'm going to go home dirty and miserable every single night. Or I could work at Target. Same lack of education needed. Some personal skills. They're, they're Target and and, Walt, and McDonald's are not hiring, you know, Ivy League material. Sorry if I'm being too frank here. but. Just because you're not Ivy League material doesn't mean you can't say to Target and McDonald's, like, I want that one. If I'm going to stand on my feet, I'd rather do it in an environment where I'm not serving fries and slinging hot, greasy food. So one thing I can tell you about Americans is we live paycheck to paycheck. And because of that, inflation consumers' goods, and we get consumer goods numbers this week. Every month, you get one big like, piece of economic data, consumer price inflation, uh, producer price inflation, the jobs report. Those are the ones that are the most important to me. Now, every single month, you also get slight reads underneath those, which means they're in the same sector. Um, but maybe it's like the raw cost of materials. It's like a subsector of consumer prices, producer prices, and things like jobs. We've seen wages increase, but we've also seen consumer price increases more so that right now, 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That is not a good sign for the long-term retirement needs. It's fine for the short-term economy is working. Eh, Sadly, I have to take advantage of that in a weird, weird way, right? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. So let's go over a checklist again, because we need to do this from time to time. I try to prep you as much as I can on, I would say, high school level financials, but with the 25 years experience of let's put it on a napkin and we could pull this off. Corrections happen frequently. So let's say you and I go for a beer today. You're a little depressed. You've looked at your 401k statement and you're like, Well, things certainly turned around there. I had 10 up years, then three months, boo-hoo. So, corrections happen all the time is the first thing I'm going to slap on your back and just go, it's going to be okay. A correction of 10% or more from recent market highs. Since 1950, there's been 36 plus, 37 of them now. That comes to one correction every 1.9 years. So figure out how old you are. If you're 40, let's say that's 20 corrections you've been through. You just don't remember the last one because it's been a while. A correction feels bad, but historically it bounces back. It rises some more, dips again, then turns and starts rising again. Fintium so far in my lifetime. Most corrections last under four months. That's right. Historically, 37 corrections in the S&P 500. 22 of them have lasted four months or less. So out of the 36, 37, 22 of them, correct me if wrong, but that looks like two-thirds-ish. The average corrections last 196 days. So if you start one right now, come back in 200 days, and if we're not back, If we're not feeling better, I would be quite surprised because that's the history of it. And yes, Russia Ukraine is nasty. And yes, the high price of oil is nasty, but we've also had other things that were nasty. Corrections are common, bear markets are rare. Rob, Rob, I'm afraid to open my stock market. I'm afraid to open my 401k mail. I mean, does anyone get mail anymore? You remember when they they threatened like, "Oh, we're going to take away your paper mail," and you are like, "You don't take away my paper mail." And then after ten years of seeing those notices, you are like, "Please, please take away my paper mail. I don't need it anymore. I don't want it. Save the tree." But bear markets are incredibly rare. A bear market is a market drop of twenty percent. Since nineteen eighty seven, there have been only two major bear markets: the dot com bubble and the Great Recession. Since nineteen eighty seven. There's been two, three of you count what we did in March 2020 when we started learning about the pandemic and we had a whoosh on this show for three months. I'm like, this is the greatest buying opportunity of a generation. Do not miss this once in a lifetime. I'm pulling an m M&M and on you. Corrections are common. Bear markets are rare. Two. Real ones and then a whoosh down that lasted a month. Going back to 1950, only a quarter of corrections have turned into a bear market. That means only around 15% of stock market corrections ever get from 10% to 20%. Now again, I'm not I'm more excited to buy in a market that's down 10% than I'm at a market at an all time high. Because I've seen history. And again, history doesn't always repeat itself. I get it. I think Kennedy once said history is a bucket of poop. I could be making that quote up. Volatility rises during corrections. This is one of the things that I love about corrections is we, we have these big up 600-point days, down 600-point days, two and a half times the volume up, two and a half times the volume down, and your head starts spinning. This is a bad time to buy on margin, in large part because you're, you're borrowing money, and if it dips, you're forced to sell at a low. So I'm not a big margin player because corrections happen, volatility happens, and I don't want to be borrowing something like cash that I have to convert to stock. And then the market falls, and they're like, well, your stock fell, so you need to convert it back to cash for us. Uh-uh. Homie, don't play that game. So volatility is just a time to tighten your rules a little bit. Corrections are in a time where emotional decisions lead to very poor returns. I was happy to hear that my producer came on this morning and he's got a financial advisor who messaged him and said, "You know, when you take a look at your statement, you're not going to be thrilled, but trust." He didn't say anything else. He said, "Just't just know that it's coming." That's awesome. So get the emotions out now before you open it up. You're like, oh, I'm down 10%. And down 10% to you may be like 63,000 to 57,000. And you're like, that's not too bad. I'm still kind of in that. But if you're at 20 million and you're down 10%, you're like, ooh, ooh, wrong time to get emotional and go, I, w- I should have. Because if, if I had sold it at all-time high, I'd still have that 2 million. But if if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party you would have. You cannot live in that world. Thing that I love during um, market corrections are called dividends. I cannot lie. I like dividends. um, I know you're saying, is he trying to play on I like big butts? I cannot lie. Uh, No, no, but I do like dividends and I cannot lie. In large part, because i looked at my 401k the other day, I was just making sure that everything's on track and that, you know, it's going every two weeks and just kind of babysitting it. And i looked at the income statements, making sure that my employer's matching and doing things like that. So in one of the financial statements, it said, here's all your recent transactions. And some of them were like dividend for the last quarter of $600 from this mutual fund dividend of... You know, four hundred and seventy-two dollars from out. Like, I'm not quoting the right numbers, but it was cool to see large chunks of change being paid to me in a dividend. Because I'm like, I feel like I'm I'm making less money this year. Couldn't be not not further from the truth. I'm getting less equity appreciation, but I'm getting more income. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm I can I can live with the downtime. I can ride out the equity wave. If history does, in fact, indeed show that the markets go to all-time highs on a regular basis, which history does, in fact, indeed show that, but could it be 10 years for the NASDAQ to get back to its all-time high? It could be. We've seen a precedent like that. So, But now is not a good time to be emotional. Now is a good time to be practical. Dividend stocks help weather a storm of a correction in a bear market. Corrections are less likely in the third year of a presidential cycle which is fascinating because uh, I don't know if I play that game. There's a lot of research out there about, you know, this can only happen in this part of the year. This can only happen in this this part of the cycle. The presidential cycle is a big one. Your DNA research released a study demonstrating that since 1928, the average S&P 500 returns in each year, the presidential cycle as follows. First year, they're up 5.2%. Second year, 4.8%. Third year, up 12.8%. Fourth year, up 5.7%. The presidential cycle explains that investors get jittery leading up to the midterm elections because they don't like uncertainty of any kind. Guess what? We've got midterm elections coming up. We have high volatility right now. We've got inflation right now, and we have war in the Ukraine. This is a time in the market that it's going to be jittery historically. People start easing their money back in the sidelines after they see the midterm elections. They know the quantity in the Oval Office. They know the quantity in the Congress. They start getting their comfort levels. Demon known versus demon unknown. Corrections corrections recover very quickly. Bear markets do not. That's worthy of note that some of the psychological damage of being down 20% And for some tech stocks that are down 60, 65, 70%, like a Robin Hood, that when you're down that much, you're broken in my mind. You've become a broken bear stock. Down 75, 80%, it's almost as if you have to start looking for it to be acquired because the shareholders who bought at an all-time high, they're going to linger and they're going to just dampen you. They're going to look for reasons to sell, not reasons to buy. When the SP 500 drops by more than 20%, bear markets historically have taken 13 months before reaching bottom. Rather than taking 13 months to recover, the same one-to-one ratio is not right. Bear markets take an average of 22 months to recover, so almost two years. Um, you can find stocks that are clearly in bear markets. Just know that the indices take a wild recover. The individual stocks can do it faster, but they could certainly take their time as well. I remember when Yahoo was once a $250 stock and it falls to six. And I remember people thinking, is it going to go back to 250? It's like, no, it's broken. Um, my kids have bicycle helmets. And anytime they drop their bicycle helmet like flush on the ground and I hear like a pop I'm like oh time to get a new helmet I'm like why I just I just dropped. it's okay see it still works I'm like no no no. it's designed to take one hit so I've bought too many bicycle helmets if you know what I'm saying I'm not a fan of uh anyway I'll talk about that later i was gonna talk about bumpers and car insurance um no one could predict when a correction is gonna hit uh, no one can predict when a bull market is going to end. No one can predict when a bear market's going to, you know, correction is going to turn into a bear market. But I can tell you this, like that movie, The Poseidon Adventure, the sun always comes up at the end of the movie. At the end of any earthquake movie, there's some sunlight. At the end of any disaster film, there's some sunlight. When stock storms end, the sun shines usually brighter than usual. And you'd rather be there than try to not be there by for safety. I like playing the game. Take the corrections, take the bear markets, take capitalism, go long. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com.
0: A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, BP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you?
1: Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, insurance, anything I can do to help you get to retirement. You listen, I pledge every day I'll try to bring something to you. Maybe it's a sector... Review. Maybe it's, you know, good inflation versus bad inflation, good loans versus bad loans. I'm not against credit cards. I'm against people who use credit cards to live paycheck to paycheck. A a credit card to me should never be used for something you can't afford. For something in theory you can't pay off at the end of the month and keep your balances at zero. I don't think I've carried a balance. I can say this kind of in a funny way because I know that there was one month I carried a balance on a $400 purchase, but it was the credit card purchasing the credit card services for a year that I forgot to pay off. So I don't want to say I've never carried a balance because that's completely wrong, but I don't carry balances as a general rule is right. Do you remember 2021, we learned like uh, social security was going to go up 5.7 5.7 uh 5.9 percent the cola and i got to talk to you about colas and it wasn't coke cola it wasn't coke versus sprite it wasn't coke versus monster beverages it wasn't you know the big sugary drinks versus the teas versus the cbds um, no we we're talking about colas cost of living adjustment on social security last year in 2021 and we're like wow senior citizens are gonna get 5.9 percent raised that's the most generous in decades And then you see 2022 become the year of, well, inflation is going to be around 7.5% on an annual basis. And you're like, wait, what? That cost of living adjustment did not keep up with inflation. Now, again, this is a really tricky part of the conversation. I don't want you to get lost in it. Healthcare costs may be rising faster than the 5.9% or slower than the overall inflation rate or higher than the overall inflation rate. So what seniors spend money on versus what I spend money on, and I'm going to be a senior soon, so I know it's coming and you will too, but living paycheck to paycheck is less than ideal because on the years where inflation heats up, you have less to get there. And inflation is heated up for the first time, probably in your investment life unless you're over 40 over 50 for sure but then again you start forgetting what inflation used to be like the worst type of inflation to me is stagflation where you get subdued growth with higher inflation you can't grow your way out of the problem you can't cut your way out of the problem that sucks As daily life gets more expensive, workers have a harder time making ends meet due to high inflation. Wages are up 5.1% in the last year. Remember, how I was just talking about the cost of living adjustment for senior citizens and social security was up 5.7, 5.9% in that range. Wages up 5.1%. The consumer price index up over 7%. So we're going to get to the point where The CPI number is going to be the important number for us. And we're there. The CPI economic data point comes out this week. And I used to say things like, hey, the only one you need is the jobs report. True. We're fine on jobs, though. For the first time in a long time, I haven't had to use that second data reading on the consumer price index. Now I have to. And the problem with consumer price indexes is there are composite things that we consume, things that we spend our paycheck on, like insurance, financial services, food, rent, mortgages. And those trends are all babysitters. You know who's a big winner in the world of inflation right now? Teenage girls who babysit. Because <laughs> they're seeing all the wage inflation. They're saying, I'm going to jack my prices up, even though I live with mom and dad. So babysitting rates are up 11% year over year, um, which is pretty good, 20 bucks and 57 cents for an hour. I remember growing up when I'd babysit someone else's kids, they'd say, oh, here's 20 bucks. I'm like, that's sweet. So I think I got like $5 an hour maybe for two kids and four hours and okay. I wasn't exactly the hard negotiator on labor, like, come on, buddy. Don't make me shake you down in front of your wife. Wasn't quite that guy yet. There was a glimmer in my eye that I was going to become him. I know you're saying you were a babysitter as a kid. That seems all wrong. Trust me, it kind of was. I was the kind of guy when I was babysitting, I was like, I'm going to go through their medicine drawer. And then i will be like, oh, look, a gun. The average cost of daycare, for instance, now exceeds in-state college tuition. How about that? costs more money to have your four-year-old watched by someone who's not making a lot of money than it is to send your kids to college by having a professor talk to them and lecture them about the ways of of the world. 40% of nannies nationally make between 30,000 and 50,000 per year, while just 15% had an annual salary above 50,000. So the nanny world in a little bit how shall we say uh things moving along in the right direction so things to do when the stock market is coming down or going lower or you're struggling to get that like hey things aren't as good as last year feeling you should always know that a crash is coming it'll happen that's why in your last 5 to 10 years you really want to get a financial planner to help you navigate that so you don't get emotional you want to breathe. It happens all the time. Every 1.87 years, there's going to be a correction. There's going to be a pullback in the markets. They're not. It's going to feel like it's going down, 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 but it doesn't. Understand your risk tolerance before you get into a correction is important. I feel comfortable going down 25% from the all-time highs of my overall wealth. That's pretty good. I've got a pretty good stomach for this. I take my time, I reassess everything when things get tough. I ignore the white noise of things like CNBC and the Bill Ackmans who get on CNBC and try to scare you. I like taking advantage of the discounts in the markets. I avoid margin like the plague. You gotta have a playbook. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.